So we're with the book Zad al-Mustaqna' and we've been speaking about the Udhiyya and the Hadi and matters pertaining to that. The author, Sheikh al-Hajjawi, Imam al-Hajjawi, rahmatullah alayhi, he left us at this point where he said fossil section. And he says, وَيَتَّعَيَّنَانِ بِقَوْلِهِ هَذَا حَدٍ أَوْ أُضْحِيَةٌ That the hadi, the sacrificial animal in the hadi umrah, in the hajj, or the udhiyya, the sacrificial animal on either al-adha, becomes specified with the person's statement that this is my hadi or this is my udhiyya. Sheikh Mansour, he says, Al-hadi or al-udhiyya yata'ayyanan lima yali. So the hadi and the udhiyya, they become specified and legislated as follows. Number one, al-hadi yata'ayyan biqawl wa bilfa'al ma'aniyya. It becomes specified by a statement and with an action tied to an intention. فالقول أن يقول هذا حدي أو هذا لله. So by statement, it's as the, as the person would say that this is my hadi and this is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by action, بالفعل معنية, and it will become specified and legislated with an action tied to an intention by saying or by doing أن يقلد البهيمة. That he will make the qalid of the animal. بأن يؤلق نعالاً أو ثياب خلقة في أنق البحيمة. So by action, what is done is that uh, a sandal or something is tied to a rope and wrapped around the neck of the animal, which is going to be sacrificed, or an old piece of clothing is put around the neck of the animal. So this specifies in and lets people know that this animal is not to be touched because it has been set aside for the udhiyya or the hadi. And for the camels, it's as follows. That what you would do for the camel to specify it and legislate it for sacrifice is that you make a scratch on the camel hump. So after having made this scratch, which is deep, then blood would trickle down and it would leave a mark on the camel hump. So people would know so people would know that this is hadi, this is a sacrificial animal. Secondly, that the udhiyya pertaining to the udhiyya, which is done on either al-adha, then this is made, is legislated and specified with statement only. And by, you do this by saying that this is an udhiyya, or that this is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then it becomes obligatory upon the person to sacrifice that particular animal after having made those statements. The author, he says, not, It doesn't become legislated and specified, the animal for sacrifice with an intention. Sheikh Masuri says, Sheikh Masuri, he says that it's not it's not enough to uh, specify and legislate the animal for udhiyya just by an intention when you purchase that animal. It's not enough to only have the intention. Rather, you have to make a statement with it, as we previously mentioned. However, Ibn Taymiyyah, rahmatullah said that it's enough just to have an intention in this matter. The author, he says, وَإِذَا تَعَيَّنَتْ لَمْ يَجُزْ بَيْعُهَا وَلَا حِبَّتُهَا 
And if it becomes legislated and specified for sacrifice, then it's not permissible to sell it, nor is it permissible to give it away in what? Uh, as a gift. Because now you have given this animal for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The author, he says, Unless you swap the animal for that which is better than it. Because in that, there is benefit for the fuqara, there is benefit for the poor. So for example, like Sheikh Mansur said, uh, if you were to swap a hiqqa for a bint laboon, so the hiqqa is the, uh, the camel which is in the fourth year, and the bint laboon is the one in the third year. So if you were to swap them one for the other, then it would be more beneficial as a sacrifice. That is allowed to do. The author, he says, وَيَجُزُّ سُوفَهَا وَنَحْوَهَا وَنَحْوَهُ إِنْ كَانَ أَنْفَعْلَهَا And pertaining to the animal that has a lot of fur, you're allowed to remove that fur if it's going to be beneficial for the animal. So Sheikh Mansour, he says, مَا يَتَعَلَّقْ بِسُوفْ أَوْ شَعْرْ أَوْ وَبَرْ الْبَهِيمَةِ الْمُتَعَيِّنَةِ مَا حُكْمُهُ That what is the ruling pertaining to fur, pertaining to wool, pertaining to feathers uh, on the animal uh, that is going to be sacrificed. إِنْ كَانَ الْجَزَ أَنْفَعْ لَهَا كَمَا لَوْ كَانَ يُؤْذِيهَا فَيَجُوزُ وَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنَ الْجَزَ أَنْفَعْ لَهَا فَلَا يَجُوزَ الْجَزُهُ So, Sheikh Mansour, he says, pertaining to the animal that you're going to sacrifice, if it's beneficial to remove the hair and the wool, etc., then one should go ahead and do that. But if it's not going to be beneficial for the animal, then one should not do that. وَيَتَصَدَّقُوا بِهِ and the person should give charity from it. So the person, whatever he has taken from the wool, from the fur of the animal, then he should give that away in charity. And this is something which is recommended and not obligatory. And if he wants to benefit himself for himself and the family from that uh, wool, etc., he's allowed to do so. So as it's allowed to benefit from the skin of the sacrificed animal, then more so it's allowed to benefit from the fur and the, the wool, etc. from the animal. The author says, And the butcher, the one who is slaughtering the animal on your behalf, is not to be paid his wage from the meat of the animal that he's slaughtering as a udhiyah. So the ulama, all of them, the scholars, the former dahib, they agree upon this fact that the, person, the butcher's wage is not to be paid uh, either in the skin of the animal or in the meat of the animal. These two cannot be used to pay uh, the butcher for his work. And the evidence is in Bukhari and Muslim, Ali radiyallahu anhu he said amarani rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa commanded me an aquma ala budnihi that i sacrifice the camels wala tasaddaqa bi lahmiha and that i give charity from its meat wa juludiha and from its skin wa jillatiha and also i give in charity that which is put on from the beautification of the animal the, the saddle of the animal and any other type of clothing that the camel might be wearing wala utiya al jazara minha and not to pay and not to give the butcher from that, meaning from anything which was slaughtered. And Sheikh Masoori says, because if you were to give the butcher as payment uh, from the meat, then this would be something which is wrong. 
because that would be that you have sold off a, a worship that was given to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, it's permissible to give it to the butcher as a gift or to give it as charity to him. As long as it's stipulated that whatever you give a charity to him or as a gift to the butcher, then that doesn't diminish from the value of his salary for the work that he has done. Those he says, And nor can you sell anything from the skin of the animal uh, or anything else. Rather, you can benefit from it yourself. So if a person has specified an animal for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he's not allowed to sell anything from that animal. If he wants to keep the skin or the fur for himself, he's allowed to do so. Hmm. No. So the author he said, If the animal becomes spoiled, something happens to it, then he slaughters it, then that will still suffice him. Unless this animal, its slaughter was obligatory upon the person before the person had specified the animal. So Sheikh Masoor is going to explain this. He said, If a person has specified an animal to be udhiya or hadi, then the animal becomes sick or something happens to it to the extent that it becomes from those animals which is not permissible to be slaughtered. And this we mentioned in the previous lesson. Like for example, the sight of the animal has now gone. So this has two situations. So this, the first situation is that the animal became sick or it became injured or something of that nature, not due to the carelessness of the owner of the animal. Like, for example, the animal was walking or running and it tripped over and it ended up breaking a bone uh, due to that. Or it became sick whilst in its stables or in its pen, uh, and due to the sickness, its eye was lost. So the ruling in this situation, if it was obligatory for this person, if it was obligatory for this person to sacrifice an animal before he had specified an animal, right? Like, for example, a person had given a vow that he's going to make udhiyah, that he's going to sacrifice on Eid al-Adha. He made a vow. Then he purchased a lamb, a sheep or a goat, and he made it specific. He legislated it that this is the one that I want to sacrifice. So he said that this is the one I'm going to sacrifice and fulfill my vow of sacrificing. So previously, the person made a vow that he's going to sacrifice an animal for udhiya. So when he purchases the animal, he specifies that this particular animal now, I'm going to sacrifice it to fulfill my vow. So if this animal becomes sick or it becomes defective in any way, then in this situation, the person has to replace it with an animal which doesn't have these defects. Why? 
because it was obligatory upon him to sacrifice an animal because he made a vow upon himself. So before he made the animal specific by specifying a particular animal, it was obligatory upon him anyway to sacrifice because he had made a vow. So this is the first situation. Second situation, So in the second situation, the person, it wasn't obligatory upon him to sacrifice an animal until he came to an animal and he specified that this animal, I like it, I'm going to buy it and I want to sacrifice it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it wasn't based upon a vow or any other thing of that nature. So, for example, a person buys a sheep and he says that this is going to be sold here. So, if this animal becomes defective, which prevents it from being sacrificed, so if this animal became um, defective and it wasn't due to the person's own carelessness for not taking care of the animal, uh, then this sacrifice is still going to be valid for the person, even though the animal has become defective. Why? Because it's not like the previous situation where the person made it obligatory upon himself before legislating a specific, specific animal. So in the second situation, the person didn't make it obligatory upon himself. However, if the person However, if the animal becomes defective due to the person himself harming it or due to the person not taking care of it properly, then in this situation, the person has to, again, replace the animal with that which is better. In any case, in all of the scenarios, it's always better for the believer to sacrifice that which is from the best of his wealth. So you want to get an animal which is in the best state, as we've mentioned in the previous lesson. But also he says, well, sunnah. The ruling of Udhiyah is that it's sunnah. Udhiyah, sunnah Sheikh Mansour says that the ruling is that it's sunnah mu'akkada. It's a stressed sunnah. And the evidence for that in the hadith of Ahmed and Abi Dawood, in the hadith of Jabir radiallahu anhu, anna Rasulullah sallallahu the Prophet ﷺ, when he sacrificed, he said, in the name of Allah, and Allah is the greatest, this is on my behalf and on behalf of those who haven't sacrificed from my ummah. And also in the Musallaf of Abd Razak, we have the statement of Abi Masood, where he said, he said, for at times, I leave alone the sacrifice of the udhiyah, of the animal, even though I'm in a wealthy state, even though I have wealth to purchase one. Out of fear that the neighbors will think that this is something which is an obligation upon me. So he didn't want to do it regularly and continually every year because he didn't want the people around him to think that this is something which is obligatory. Rather, it's a sunnah mu'akkada. And also Sheikh Masood, he says, And that the foundation principle here is that the person is free from responsibility of this act of worship, of sacrifice, unless there is a evidence which is authentic in this matter, which there is not. So the point being from all of this, that the action of the udhiya is that it's sunnah mu'akkada. And for the person 
to sacrifice the animal is better than giving its worth, its value in monetary sadaqah. So, for example, if a, if a sheep is going to cost you 300 riyals, it's better for you to purchase the sheep and sacrifice it rather than you to take the 300 riyals and give that directly to the poor. So if a person wants to say to himself, I have an amount of money, which of them is better? And Or should I go ahead and purchase a lamb, a sheep, and sacrifice? The author, he established that it's better to uh, sacrifice the udhiyya. And the evidence and the Nabi that the Prophet and the companions they used to continually do this, they used to continually sacrifice. They used to continually sacrifice in place of giving the monetary value of that animal in sadaqah. And they are not from those who would continue upon an action unless it was the best of actions. Bearing in mind that giving charity, monetary, uh, is easier than having to sacrifice the animal. So the conclusion of this point, that to sacrifice the animal is better than giving the value of the animal in charity. And from the sunnah is that the person should divide the animal into three parts. So a third of it he will eat for himself, a third of it he would give uh, as a gift and a third of it he would give in charity the sunnah is that you divide it into thirds then you eat a third of it and then you give charity for a third of it and you give as a gift a third of it a third of it and the evidence is in the hadith of Bukhari Muslim the hadith of Salma ibn al-Aqwa أنه قال that the Prophet said كلوا وأطعموا ودخروا eat from it and give it in charity and save from it وروي التثليث عن ابن مسود وابن عمر ولم يعرف لهما مخالف من الصحابة and this action of dividing it into three parts as we mentioned was also narrated from ابن مسود رضي الله عنه and ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما so this, the, the companions at large, the Sahaba at large, it was not known that they would oppose this action. The author, he says, وَإِنْ أَكَلَهَا إِلَّا أُوْقِيَةً تَصَدَّقَ بِهَا جَازَ وَإِلَّا ضَمِنَهَا And if the person ended up eating all of the animal, except for an uqiyah amount, the uqiyah is 200 grams roughly of flesh, then if the person wants to eat all of the animal except for that amount of flesh, which he then went ahead and gave him sadaqah, then that is permissible for him. And if he was to eat the whole of the animal which was supposed to be given in sacrifice, then he has to do another sacrifice because a third of it should be given away in charity at least. Now, Dorothy says, And uh, it's impermissible for the one who wants to go ahead and do the udhiyah that he takes anything from his hair or his skin or his nails in the 10 days of dhul hijjah. Sheikh Mansour, he says, Ashara huna ila ma yata'allaqu bima yalzimu man azama ala al-udhiyah. 
the author is talking about those matters which are now obligatory upon the one who wants to give the here. And it is that the one who wants to sacrifice, then he's not allowed to take from his hair, nor from his body. And nor can he take from his nails either in the 10 days of Dhul Hajjah. And the evidence is the hadith of Umm Salama radiallahu anha in Sahih Muslim. She said, Man kana lahu dhibhun yadbahuhu fa'idha uhilla hilalu dhil hajjati fala ya'akudhanna min sha'arihi wala min adfarihi shay'an hatta yudahhi That when the person wants to sacrifice and they see the, the moon of Dhul Hijjah, then they shouldn't take anything from their, from their hair, nor from their nails until the time for sacrifice, until the sacrifice has been done. So as a conclusion, in the first 10 days of Dhul-Hijjah, uh, you're not allowed to take from your hair or your nails or your skin if you are going to sacrifice until the sacrifice has been done on the day of Eid. Fast one section. Now, the author now is going to talk about the Aqiqah. Aqiqah. So Aqiqah Lugatan, Aqiqah linguistically, is a sha'ar alladhi yakunu ala ra'as al-sabi is the hair which is upon the child when the child is born, as was mentioned in the famous Arabic dictionary known as Lisanul Arab of Ibn Mandur. Technically, shar'an, its meaning is It is the sacrifice, the animal which is sacrificed when the child is born, whether it's male or female, as a way of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing of having a child. So the, the animal which you sacrifice is called aqiqa. Why? Because it's done on the seventh day when the, the hair from the child is removed. So it's given the name aqiqa due to that. Also, he says, the, the evidence, the uh, ruling of aqiqa is that it's sunnah, it's not wajib. Okay? That it's mustahab and it's not wajib. Now, also, he says, with regards to a male child, the male baby is going to be two sheep. And for the female, it's going to be one. A sunnah in Yadvahan Yadakar Shatan. Wa'an al-jariya tishatun yahadithi um kals. The author says, Tudbahu yawma sabi'i. That the aqiqa is to be done on the seventh day. A sunnah fi waqt al-jabh. That the sunnah for the time of the slaughtering is that it's done on the seventh day after birth. And the evidence is in the hadith of Ahmed and Abu Dawood. Where the Prophet said, that every newborn is ransomed or is connected to its aqiqa as a ransom until the aqiqa is done. That it's slaughtered, the animal is slaughtered on the seventh day after his birth. The author he says, if the person misses out on the seventh day, then he does it on the fourteenth day. فَإِنْ فَاتَ فِي فَإِنْ فَاتَ فَفِي أَحَدٍ وَأَشْرِينَ 
If the person misses the 14th day, then he does it on the 21st day. And this is because there is a narration of Aisha radiallahu anha where she said, that this should be on the seventh day. And if not, then on the 14th. And if not, then it should be on the 21st day. And this athar, this narration of Aisha radiallahu anha is to be found in, as narrated by Imam al-Hakim. The author, he says, that the cutting of the animal, the slaughtering of the animal, which is being given as an udhiya, or sorry, as an aqiqa, is to be done in a manner which is judulan, meaning that it's done body part by body part, limb by limb, okay, without breaking the bones of those limbs. The intent, wal murad, the intent, so the arm, for example, is done by itself, and the leg is done separately. And it is to be done, it is to be cut from the joints of the limb. Because Aisha stated, that it is to be done like the limb is to be cut completely and the bones are not to be broken. Meaning that within a limb from the animal, it shouldn't have broken bones. And some of the ulama, they said that this is tafa'ulan. This is having optimism with regards to the good health of the child. Meaning as we're taking care of the animal that we are slaughtering, we're not breaking it into pieces. We're doing it in a in a correct manner, then hopefully the child is also going to be living in a healthy, correct manner. The author, he said, and The rulings pertaining to the uh, to the aqiqa uh, are the same as the udhiya. So the uh, aqiqa must be from the things which are legislated to be sacrificed as a udhiya or hadi. And the animal should reach the correct designated age, legislated age, which we've mentioned in the previous lesson. And it should be free of any defects which will prevent it from being able to be sacrificed. The author he said, the difference, one difference between uh, the aqiqa and the udhahiya is that there is no partnership, there is no joining when it comes to purchasing the animal. So Sheikh Mansouri says that there's not allowed to be joining uh, with another person when it comes to purchasing the animal for the udhiya, like if a person wanted to give uh, a camel or a cow as an aqiqa, as a sacrifice for the aqiqa, then it's not allowed to be purchased with anybody else. Rather, the person has to purchase himself because this was never reported from the Prophet ﷺ or from the companions. And the ulama, they say, and the best aqiqa that you can do is to give a shat, a goat or a sheep. Wherein the Prophet gave a sheep or a goat as an aqiqa. 
ولا تسن الفرعة ولا الأتيرة and it is not legislated it is not sunnah to do الفرعة not and not الأتيرة الفرعة نحر أو الولد ناقة كانوا يذبحونه في الجاهلية لآلاتهم so this um, الفرعة is that in the days prior to Islam pre-Islamic period the days of Jahiliya that what they would do is that the firstborn of the camel, they would slaughter this and sacrifice it and offer it to their uh, false gods. Raja al-Baraka fi nasliha, as a way of uh, seeking blessings in the offspring of this camel. وَيَأْكُلُونَ لَحْنَهُ And they would eat from its meat. وَيُلْقُونَ جِلْدَهُ عَلَى شَجْرَةِ Crazy people. And then they would throw the, the skin of the camel, which they have sacrificed upon a tree. And al-atiratu, which is not also, which is also not legislated, is the bihatu rajib, is to sacrifice in the month of rajib. Kanu yadbahunaha fil jahiliyati fil ashil awal min rajib, yasumunaha al-rajiba. So they would do this. Al-atirah is that they would sacrifice in the early ten, in the first ten days of the month of rajib, thinking that it holds some significance, and they would call it al-rajiba. In Bukhari Muslim, Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu said, La far'a wa la atirata. That there is no far'a and there is no atirata. These two things which we have said are not to be legislated, not to be done. Inshallah, with Allah's permission, we come to the end of what we wanted to mention from this great text, Zad al-Mustaqna. There's many more chapters that we will take in the future if Allah gives us life, inshallah. Um, we will come back to them uh, with Allah's permission and take them in the future. But in the future, we will do it just based in English, not a translation of Arabic to English. Because I think that many people, they were put off by the fact that they had to go through the Arabic and then wait for the English. It was difficult for some people, even though the intent was to help people improve their understanding of the Arabic language, especially in these technical matters. So whatever was covered was by the permission and grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the mistakes and shortcomings were from myself and shaitan. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to increase us in knowledge and to make this journey that we have completed heavy in a scale of good deeds. Ameen wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.